0: Welcome to episode 11 of Night Shift. This week, we are going to be getting you set for three London Knights games. The Knights play two games at home. One will have their annual Remembrance Day ceremony. Happens on Remembrance Day as they host the Barry Colts. They will be in Windsor and then they're back home on Sunday against the Sioux Greyhounds in a rematch of a few weeks ago. So we'll get to all of that. We are also going to hear from Manny Pava on the start that the Windsor Spitfires have had. This team made it to the OHL Championship Series. We all know how the cycles go in junior hockey. Typically, you make it to the final, you drift back down the standings the next year, you get rebuilding and reloading, and then you hope to make a run in the near future. It's tough to do anything but that in junior hockey. Well, Windsor's doing it and they lead the league in goals. And then Barry and Sault Ste. Marie present two big challenges for the night. So we'll get to that And sadly, we lost a member of the Knights family this week when Dan Buccella passed away. And we'll talk a little bit about Dan Buccella before the end of the show. We can be found on our socials at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. You can find me at Stubbs980, two B's in that, and you can find the show at 980cfpl.ca you can certainly find us on spotify apple podcasts and google podcasts too three games in two and a half days kyle the knights have done three games in three nights so far this year now they get into the real rite of passage in major junior three games in technically under
1: 48 hours bring them on it's something that I did in my year that I played junior as well. And it was a very um, odd experience. Now being a goaltender, I didn't start all three games. I started two of the three, but, I I just, I know going through the process, it's, it was a home game. Then it was a a trip up. uh, I think it was to uh, North Bay or something like that. And then it was back uh, close to home, but we went to, I think it was Kitchener or something like that. And it's, it's a lot of travel. It's kind of a whirlwind and a blur and a lot can go right. A lot can go wrong. If you take one misstep or a bounce doesn't go your way. and, And yeah, it starts at home on remembrance day against the Barry Colts and Barry so far this season they've been all right. They've started off six, four, one, and one, but Mike, you know, they've lost four of their last five games, three of them coming in the extra time. And so those games have been close. So even though Barry's lost four of the last five, you know, they've been close encounters. And they are a team that is expected to
0: be very good throughout this year. And they were before this little stretch, but again, that's just losing in close games. And yeah, you're right. I don't know how much you read into that. And you look at, the offensive explosiveness that they can have they have Evan Veerling who's a former second overall pick a guy who when he was coming in and it's always an unfair comparable but has some traits like a Rick Nash where he's got that size he's got that offensive ability and he seems to really be coming into his own this year but Kyle maybe the name to really watch for tomorrow night when these teams hit the ice is Ethan Cardwell because Ty Voigt with the Sarnia Sting, who's a Toronto Maple Leafs prospect, is off to just this exceptional start to the year and is leading the OHL in scoring. Ethan Cardwell didn't start the year with the Barry Colts. He's only played in seven games, and he has 14 points, which leads the OHL in points per game. Nobody else is at two points per game. That's a tough mark to hit and Cardwell is doing it and can be a dangerous player that the Knights will be keeping an eye on. When you look at seven games, Kyle, is that enough of a sample size to say,
1: yeah, this guy's got something going? I mean, seven games is not It's not nothing to say the least. It's definitely not. Obviously, if you had a 20 or 25 game sample size of what a player has done, uh, but it's not unheard of that a player in this league can go two points per game for 15, 20, 20 plus games. It's incredibly difficult to hold on to even the elite players and and former London Knights that we think of, we think of the guys like Patrick Keynes and Mitch Marner's and some of the great all time London Knights players and I think Marner one year had 124 points, but I think he played, including the playoffs in 70 games or, or 60 something games, and that was at an elite elite level so. It's definitely possible, but, you know, if he comes back down to maybe one and a half points per game, I still, I I think Barry's going to be very happy with that, but it has been an amazing start for Ethan Cardwell. Three goals, but 11 assists in just seven games, as you mentioned. Windsor's going to be in the middle, but let's talk about the other home game
0: for this weekend that the London Knights are going to be playing. They'll take on the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. These teams have already met this year and we've got to go back in the schedule in order to find it because for the London Knights, this was early on. It was game number two and it was the time when the Knights were just having a lot of trouble scoring and this game illustrated it maybe better than any of the others in the first three that they played. Sault Ste. Marie won. Kyle London, no score. A one nothing win for the Sioux at Budweiser Gardens.
1: You know, and I remember that game too. And it's it's not like the Knights didn't have their chances, but it was one of those early contests where guys are trying to figure out maybe passing the puck a little bit too much and, and trying to get a sense of, of what they wanted to be offensively. And, you know, I think the, the Knights have demonstrated, especially over the last few games, that they have, they've slowly started to figure it out they're not putting up eight goals in a game or seven goals in a game but you know they have had games where they've scored four five six goals and we've seen how they do it it is by committee it's a different guy on a different night mainly led by George Diaco who I think is going to be a very prominent player I can't remember Mike. did, did Diaco was he a member of the Knights for this game he wasn't quite with the Knights yet. So I okay. mean, it shows the difference in the
0: complexion of what the offense can do because no, he hadn't even been acquired by that game.
1: And and I think that's, he's a huge difference maker and he, he attracts a lot of attention on the ice and all of a sudden his line mates find themselves getting a little bit more open. Uh, I think Denver Barkey has really come along over this last, let's say week and a half or so. Um, We've seen Max McHugh uh, take matters into his own hands and he's been able to get off the Schneid score a few goals as well. So I think that the Knights are kind of rounding into form and they're kind of understanding where they are and the goals have slowly started to come. Uh, You know, Logan Mayu on the back end will be a big difference maker for this team. I don't believe he was with the team for the second game of the year as well. So those are two, Very, very big names and big additions that the Knights will have from when the last time they played them earlier on the season. Right. Isaiah George wasn't in that game.
0: So the Knights have added right there a guy who is now one of their co-captains in George Diaco and somebody who is able to create offense and then two NHL prospects on defense. So they will throw a lot more at Sault Ste. Marie this time around than they did last time around. If you're watching the Greyhounds, and a lot of people are going to be watching this guy in person because he's from London, Bryce McConnell Barker is off to the start to the year that was expected of him. He leads the Greyhounds in scoring. He wears number 18. He has an incredible shot. He's someone that they rely on for offense. So watch for him. And another guy who is off to a really good start is Calvin Watson. And Calvin Watson is a player that is doing something that tends to happen in your overage year from Peterborough, great hockey city, hard-nosed player. And now the points are coming for him in his overage season. So watch for him and maybe let's throw a third guy at you, Tyler Savard, because we're going to be talking about Mark Savard. When we talk with Manny Pava about the Windsor Spitfires, Tyler Savard is his son plays for Sault Ste. Marie. And even though he was a very late draft pick, he was an 11th round pick. He was taken 220th overall. Tyler Savard's got 10 points, Kyle, in 11 games this year.
1: Yeah, you know, he's been fantastic. And, you know, very similarly to this roster, I, I've kind of noticed a trend, 6'2", 200 pounds for Tyler Savard. Uh, you mentioned uh, Bryce McConnell Barker, 6'2", 196 pounds. Th- this is a big team from... uh uh, from the Sioux story. And they, um, you know, they've orchestrated a, a very good roster over here. I'm very excited for Tyler Savard. And it's always fun when you see a guy who was drafted later on 11th round, just a few years ago, 220th, as you said, and now he's kind of figuring out his game and where he stands. You know, he's a little bit more of a distributor based on what we've seen so far, 10 points in 11 games. And, uh, and And just it, it's really fun to see a, a guy like this come on and and put up these amount of points after being such a late pick. Well, It will be an interesting matchup and then the
0: teams meet in Sault Ste. Marie a week from Sunday. So they get a lot of each other in the next little while. The London Knights have yet to see the Windsor Spitfires. That changes on Saturday night when they play a road game in the middle of this three games in two and a half days. They will go to Windsor. Manny Pava Long-time analyst with the Windsor Spitfires has seen Memorial Cup championships, saw a team go all the way to the OHL Championship Series last year before losing in seven games to the Hamilton Bulldogs. And, Manny, normally when that happens, a team will come back to earth a little bit the next year. That hasn't happened in Windsor. What is the story in Windsor? Look at these guys.
2: Yeah, Mike, Kyle, great to be with you. Uh, I think Bill Bowler is taking a page out of the Hunter's Playbook in London. At the beginning of the season, even going to last year, he sort of alluded to the fact he wanted to be competitive every single year. And when he made some moves to help bolster that lineup last year to go all the way to the OHL final, when he added Andrew Parrott, for example, uh, he added a couple of other guys with an eye to the future. a.k.a. Jacob Millett and uh, Alex Christopoulos knowing that those guys would be available to play again the following year Um, and so that's what he was trying to accomplish add depth guys for the run knowing or hoping that they could take the next step forward the following year and we're seeing that plan come to fruition this year Alex Christopoulos Uh, He only scored 14 goals in the regular season last year, had a great playoff run with 11. Now he's building on that, and he's almost surpassed his total from last season. Oliver Peer, another tremendous story. He had nine goals all of last year, but scored four in the playoffs. He now has six goals already this season. And again, he's building on that. Excuse me, he has more than that. He has nine goals already this season, so...
1: Um, you know, man, I just I'm going up and down the roster right now. There are nine players on the roster with 10 or more points already. So nine guys who are already in double digits, you just listed a couple of guys, but who's one that's that's kind of really taken a, a jump forward this year A guy that stood out to you from that that group of guys.
2: Yeah, um, it would be easy to say Matthew Maggio, but this guy had uh, 38 goals and 83 points last year. He's not going to surprise anyone, but after being drafted by the Islanders, he has a little bit more pep in his skating. He's a little bit more confident, and he, he really can be a game breaker in some games. The big guy for me is Ryan Abraham. Uh, last year was his draft year and he was snubbed by NHL teams. So I think that put a chip on his shoulder. And right now he is second in team scoring, uh, 20 points, six goals, 14 points. And he plays with an edge. I I think he sort of figured out that I can straddle the line and not cross the line and spend time in the penalty box. Instead, stay on the ice and help my team win. And he's a big reason why the Windsor Spitfire's uh, from a goals for perspective, have the best offense in the Ontario Hockey League.
0: Manny, tell us about Mark Savard. Here's a guy who is a junior in the OHL, led the OHL in scoring with the Oshawa Generals, won a championship with them in 97. He goes on to a great NHL career that was cut short by injuries and concussion. He winds up going into the you know into broadcasting And then all of a sudden, there he is behind the bench with very little coaching experience at a really high level under bright lights like the ones in Windsor in the Ontario Hockey League. Tell us about him as a coach. How much impact is he having on what they're doing and what they did last
2: year? Mark Savard's having a huge impact. It's a remarkable story. You mentioned his entire background. He was even doing YouTube videos on how to properly tape hockey sticks before he got the Windsor job. And now in his first year, he led Windsor all the way to the OHL final. And now he's got this team leading the Western Conference in the Ontario Hockey League. His impact is huge because when he speaks people listen like that old cliche, Um, whatever he speaks, uh, players look at his resume that you mentioned Mike and realize that he knows what he's talking about. And he knows the offensive side of the game so well that um, he can draw up plays. He's got confidence in his power play even though it hasn't performed at the level that he would like right now. Um, But he really does have a great pulse on the team too. Last year, when he needed a goal, he would put Wyatt Johnston and Will Cooley and Matthew Maggio together and poof, it would happen. This year has been a little bit more difficult, but he so far has pushed the right buttons and juggled some lines when he sees that some guys are going well. And the fact that he has that pulse on the team, I think is huge. The other thing that I think stands out for Mark Savard is he realizes that he's got some great people on the bench with him. Andy Delmore from a defensive coach as an assistant coach has been fantastic with the line um jared smith has done a wonderful job with the forward group and he's got michael layton as a goaltending coach no one thought matt Anishka would be the number one goaltender when they acquired him from london last year and they made a move for joey costanza and he's been perfect so far this season so i think mark sabard um when he speaks the players listen he's got a great pulse on the team and he's letting his other coaches do their job as well
1: and they've looked fantastic already so far this year. And of course they host London on Saturday and, you know, from, from your perspective in, in what you've been able to see, what have you seen so far with, with London's team and what they've been able to do? It's a big change from last year, not having a guy like Luke Evangelista or Antonio Strong. Just so the offense is kind of a little bit more spread out than it's been in in prior years. Are you seeing the same thing?
2: I am seeing the same thing. The other thing that I think stands out for me when I look at London tape is the fact that they're still trying to find themselves offensively in some mind and who will step up. Um, I didn't buy the hype that at the beginning of the season when London is in trouble, like, uh, come on. We weren't even in November, and people were Thubs writing the off. We're uh, reading off, writing off the London Knights. Let's let's hold our horses here a little bit. Look at that back end. That's fantastic, and they have a tremendous goaltender who who's from uh, Bell River as well, down here Windsor area, in Brett Brochu. I think it was premature to write off the London Knights. They're going to find their way because. If, if there's anything that I've learned in covering the OHL for over 20 years, it's the fact that the Hunters are going to make the right moves and, and make this team a competitive team, and they'll be near the top of the standings come March and April.
0: Manny, the first of many meetings this year between the Knights and the Spitfires Saturday night. We'll look forward to that. Enjoy watching this team that has been performing so well. Thanks for the time. I
2: appreciate it. Looking forward to Saturday's contest The
0: first of many this year. Manny Pava on the Windsor Spitfires as the Spitfires lead the Western Conference going into a game against Peterborough on Thursday. So if you're listening to this on Friday, you'll have to look back at the score. But... We're recording Thursday, and the game between the Spitfires and the Peets is tonight should be a good matchup there. Knights and Spitfires come up on Saturday night in Windsor. The Knights will take on Barry, and they will have their Remembrance Day ceremony. So if you're headed to the game, be in your seats before 7 o'clock. This is always a tremendous ceremony. And one of the traditions that certainly has continued over the years is all of the Knights You have to picture it at Budweiser Gardens, these great big long red carpets go all the way out to center ice and a number of veterans and military members make their way and they are honored before the game. And then as they walk down those big long red carpets, the Knights come off their bench and shake the hands of each and every one of them. And it's really become a touching tradition. So that is tomorrow night as the Knights take on the Barry Colts at Budweiser Gardens. Let's do a U-17 update in terms of what is happening. So there is one game on the schedule on Thursday night, and then three games on Friday, and then the round robin is over. Luca Testa and Canada White would have to win both of their games and get some help in order to make the semis. It's still possible. Canada Black will play czechia to finish out their schedule and czechia only has one point in five games you get three points for a win two points for an overtime loss or uh, an overtime win and one point for an overtime loss so czechia has had some trouble at the tournament so canada black wants to take advantage that's sam dickinson and rick steadman and then jet luchenko who is from london plays for the guelph storm he and canada red will take on sweden and that one the way it shapes up will be if you win you make the semis. If you don't, you don't. So the U-17 heading into the semifinals in just about a day and a bit, depending on when you are listening to Night Shift right now. Kyle, before we go, we want to give some sad news for any Knights fans who haven't heard it Dan Buccella, who played for the Knights in 2001 and 2002, he came over in a trade with the Peterborough Peets. He passed away after a battle with leukemia earlier this week, just 39, and a true character in the game. And Kyle, you've played with guys who you never know what they're going to do on the ice. You never know what they're going to do off the ice. That was Dan Buccella. He is still the only player who I know who has ever brought a pet Onto the Knights team bus. This is what I mean. You never know what he was going to do. (laughs) He had a goldfish that he felt was lucky. And he decided for a road game, that fish had to be at the game. And so he bought a bowl that you could actually put around your neck. And uh, he wore that bowl with the fish in it to the game. And I don't know if the Knights won it because I never saw the fish again. I don't remember whether they won that game. But Don Brankley, the late Don Brankley, looked after the fish during the game. Dan and the Knights went out and played it. But an absolute character, loved by his teammates, went on to be the captain of the Pensacola Ice Pilots, had a long career in the CHL, in the Central Hockey League, and the Southern Professional Hockey League, and somebody who, again, was just loved by anybody he played with. So a very sad note as
1: Dan Bucella passes away at the age of 39. Very sad. Uh, Also, his number retired by the Ice Flyers as well after living there for the last little while. So um, they put out a statement if you want to go see that. But um, Bucky, his nickname was uh, Dan Bucky Bucella, which uh, I love. Very fitting. You can't go
0: wrong with a guy whose nickname is Bucky. We will be back next week with more episodes of Night Shift on behalf of Kyle Grimard, who you can find on socials at Kyle Grimard. And me, Mike Stubbs, you can find me at Stubbs980. Enjoy three games in two and a half days in London Knights Hockey.